Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of A Modern Nonprofit Podcast. My name is Tasha Anderson, and I'm here with my new friend, Dirk Van Vrienen. Dirk, you are the founder and CEO of Bergflow. We're going to talk a little bit more about Bergflow in a little later, but I love talking to founders, whether founders of for-profits or nonprofits. We all carry the same weight, the same responsibilities, the same struggles, the same frustrations. Um, and I love having these sort of conversations about leadership and how we got to where we are and the lessons learned and how we can help other people that are in a similar situation. So Dirk, thanks again for joining us. And I'm, I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. Tasha, thank you so much for having me on the show. And yeah, likewise, I'm excited to dive in. Cool. So let me just start by saying the notorious you know, issue in the nonprofit world Nonprofits tend to have multiple people wear many, many hats, right? This was my experience when I was a CFO of a nonprofit. It's, it's a constant complaint in the industry. And one of the things that you work with your clients on or, or you help businesses see is having the right people in the right position or, or just right for your business in general. How would you help a nonprofit or what advice would you give a nonprofit to identify, do I have the right people in the right role? Are they right for my organization and maybe what to do with them if they're not? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, I think the interesting thing about nonprofits, uh, I think that there's a lot of similarities between a nonprofit and a small business because, Mm -hmm. you know, as you mentioned uh, just before we started recording um, nonprofits are usually very mission and vision driven. So mm-hmm. they, they are fueled by a passion to make a difference in the world, to solve a problem that nobody else is taking on, to, you know, really kind of be that, that force for good. And there's a lot of energy in that. And there's a lot of kind of entrepreneurial spirit in that. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like you, you start the mission and you forget that whether it's a for-profit or non-profit, it's still a business. Mm-hmm. And businesses really... Um, function on systems, processes, and people. So this comes back to, okay, when you when you start going into this, instead of just saying, hey, we're going to find people that are passionate about our cause and kind of throw them in, start with saying, okay, what do we really want to accomplish here? And what's going to be the right structure for us to have to accomplish this mission and vision? Because mm-hmm. um, what happens is, you know, somebody jumps in and they want to help. They're passionate. And they're like, hey, can you do this? Yes, I can. I'm willing to do it. Hey, can you also do this? Can you do this? And like you said, mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you're wearing 30 hats and you're getting burned out. You're getting frustrated. The communication breaks down. And from there, everything kind of starts spiraling downward. So I think the, it's, it's, it's a very natural tendency. So if you're listening and you're experiencing that in your nonprofit, it's not that there's something wrong with you. You're actually experiencing what most nonprofits, and by the way, what most small for-profit businesses are experiencing mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Love that. So helpful. So another issue that I see with nonprofits, not only do you have these kind of unicorns wearing multiple hats, but you have them operating in silos, right? So you have the development department and then you have the accounting department and then you have the program team. And sometimes an organization have might have multiple programs. So you have a program director and their staff on, on one area. And then over here, you have a program department and staff over here. And sometimes they might have different leadership styles. 
They might have different practices for things. They're delivering different services. And sometimes it makes sense to operate in a silo because much of what they do doesn't have a lot of crossover. But especially on the administrative side, I noticed, again, in my experience working for a nonprofit, and I've had this conversation with so many people, that those silos really result in some just operational breakdown <laughs> in mm-hmm. so many different ways. And I know one of the things that, that, that you talk about is this promotion of collaboration and collective genius you know, within your work teams, how do you help nonprofits or, you know, small businesses start working together and break down these silos? Yeah. So the first thing, you know, that you have to understand is again, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. And this is Mm -hmm. not just, um, Hey, what do we see happening in the future? But it's really about coming back to the structure. Okay. Do we have the right structure to succeed? Because just, just like, you know, if you look at professional sports or anything like that, like, you know, there's a specific structure to how a team shows up and there are different players in different positions. And you tend to kind of get a particular type of person in that position. You know, now for sports, it's based on mm-hmm. how tall you are, how much you weigh, how fast you can mm-hmm. run, things like that. In the business world, it's going to be based on really your innate wiring, which is mm-hmm. um, the core of behavior. So in the business world, depending on what type of position you have, whether you are more in the administrative, financial, kind of analytical data type role, that's a completely mm-hmm. different profile than somebody that's out in the growth, social, you know, kind of getting out there and getting the word out, going to meetings, mm-hmm. calling people. Um, and then it's also a different profile for the people that are actually doing the servicing work, right? So mm-hmm. the first thing to understand is, okay, what is the structure of our, our business? And again, mm-hmm. profit or nonprofit, nonprofit in this case. And then do we have the right people in the right seats? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's a hard thing because, again, people show up because they're passionate about something they want to help. And usually when you start introducing structure, there's a, a little bit of a rub because people are like, well you know, I really wanted to do this. I'm passionate about this, but yet they may not be the right fit for that position. So Mm -hmm. the starting point for all of this is to make sure that you have the, the positions identified, you have the right Mm. profile for, okay, you can't build a business around a person because if something happens to that person, they have to be, uh, you have to be able to bring somebody else in, right? Mm -hmm. Businesses die because they, they build entire companies around a specific uh, person. And if something happens to that person, they get burned out, they leave, something happens, mm-hmm. the business starts collapsing. So the better way to think about it is what is the right structure and position profiles for this nonprofit to reach its mission and vision long-term? Mm-hmm. And when you start from that that point of view, what you're going to find is that you start getting the right people in the right position and the last thing is that you got to make sure they have the right motivation for being in that position. Mm. When you align those things, then you're going to start helping somebody succeed at a higher level in the job that they're doing. What we look at is we look at three distinct things to start the process of alignment for the position. Number one is we look at what we call um, innate wiring. And again, mm-hmm. this is the foundation of behavior. Now, a lot of people talk about behavior or personality. And the way to think about this is that there's an innate way that you are wired. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, it creates a derivative called behavior. And Mm -hmm. then behavior has a derivative called personality. So Mm -hmm. some people say, oh, we we look for the right personality. Well, personality is very flexible depending on who you're talking to, what situation you're in, what environment Mm -hmm. you're in. So some people say, oh, we'll look for behavior, but behavior is still a derivative of hard wiring. So we go to the core and say, how is this person wired? 
you know, mm-hmm. what kind of environment and job and role are they going to succeed in at the highest level? What's going to fulfill them? What's going to make them feel mm-hmm. like they're winning? The mm-hmm. second thing is we look at it as something called cognitive agility. And mm-hmm. this is how somebody thinks and how they process information. So the idea here is that you match somebody's cognitive agility with a role that is stimulating to them. So think about this. If you hire somebody for a role that has too much mental stimulation, they're just not going to ever catch up. They're always going to mm-hmm. feel like they're behind. They just don't quite get it. They're going to be a poor performer. Mm-hmm. If you hire somebody that isn't stimulated enough, they get bored. Mm-hmm. When somebody's bored, they get distracted. They're, they're not focusing on what they need to do. They're also a poor performer. So what we want to do is find out, okay, based on the way that somebody thinks and processes information, we want to match them with a job that's continually stimulating to them because they're going to be interested in it, pay attention to it, and give more attention to it. And then the mm-hmm. last thing we look at is emotional intelligence. And I think mm-hmm. this is something that, especially in the nonprofit world, is really important the people that you hire, do they have a high level of emotional intelligence? Or if they don't, can you raise it up? Because emotional intelligence, you can really raise up, right? It's not a static mm-hmm. number. So based on those three things, we can really start understanding if somebody is a good fit for the role that they're going to be in long term, because, you know, we kind of, you, you talked about this earlier, too, is that sometimes there's a lot of turnover in nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So when you got people wearing a lot of hats, and there's a lot of turnover, it's costing that nonprofit a lot of time, effort, energy, and money. And yeah. then ultimately that's taking away from them being able to achieve their mission and vision. So we feel it's central to get these things right. Mm-hmm. And then the next level is really finding out, okay, if, if those things align in the position, now how can we get to know this person and find out if we are truly aligned in what's important to them about the work they do? Mm-hmm. Because people innately want to do work that matters And the only substitute for doing work that doesn't matter is getting paid more money. But at a certain level, once somebody, there's actually statistics on this and research that once somebody makes a certain amount of money, and in America, it's usually Mm -hmm. about $75,000 a year, depending on where you live. Once Mm -hmm. you make at least that much money, money is not going to add a lot more happiness or meaning or fulfillment to your life. So Mm -hmm. um, you have to find what matters to people, what's important to them. And when you align that, you're going to find people that are more fulfilled in their role. They're, they're happier. They feel like they're, they're doing work that was meant for them. And mm-hmm. that's really the, the core of opening up collaboration. Mm. I love all of that. And I'm sure we're going to get into it, but as a business owner myself and struggling to make sure that I always have the right people in the right bus, I want to talk a little bit more about Um, how you help people do that, because all of that makes logical sense. Like, yes, that all sounds amazing. How do we actually know when we're doing that? Because then you, you know, I just find even for myself, like I find myself, okay, yes, I've considered these things. I've tried interviewing for these things. And then we've all done this where we hire the person and you realize how in the world did I miss this? Right. Um, So we'll kind of circle back to that. But before we dive into that, I think there's another area when we talk about hiring people and we might have some people that are just starting to develop their staff, um, finding the resources to hire their first staff. So this is all good information when you're looking for the right hire. And like you said, going through the process of figuring out what are those positions? What kind of structure do you need from your staffing and then hiring for those positions or, um, you know, contracting it out or, or finding some solution for those specific functions um, of the business. And 
you know, I will say I have learned something in business that was quite surprising to me. When I started this firm five and a half years ago, I drug my feet, kicking and screaming, resisting the growth of the business, meaning I was so stressed. I was so burnt out. I, I, I was just tired, right? And I, I told myself that I can't possibly get larger because it's going to be then even more stressful and, you know, more hours working and all of these things. And um, I had a, an aha moment one day where I realized what if having a bigger firm or business or nonprofit is actually easier than having a small one, right? And so I always tell people it was so much harder for me to get to, to $250,000 than it was for me to become a multi-million dollar company. Like it, as crazy as that sounds, and I know you work with small businesses all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to know, um, you know, what is the big hit that crushes most small businesses or in our case, nonprofits before they ever make it to the million dollar mark or the $5 million mark? What are these businesses doing or failing to do to get to that next place? Um, and maybe you could share some of your experiences too, Dirk. Uh, you know, the idea of getting the company started and building the momentum is so much harder, I think, than almost scaling and keeping that momentum. Um, but I'll let you share your experiences. I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah. So Tasha, first off, I mean, so many business owners have that experience and, um, you know, Michael Gerber talks about this in E-Myth and it's, it's the person that goes out and has a passion about something, starts doing a business. And just like you said, you, you said, Hey, I was just starting this as a part-time job. And then people started finding out. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden there's a lot of demand on your time. So that's what happens is people go into something with what we call a technician mindset, meaning that they have some sort of a skill. They got some sort of a passion and they want to jump in as kind of an entrepreneur and start driving it forward. But they think like a technician and not a CEO. And ultimately, what that means is that they focus on the wrong things, right? And that's why mm -hmm. when, when business starts getting tough and it starts, you know, taking so much of your time and effort and energy and you get to that burnout stage, and especially if you had some issues with hiring the right people, you got some burnout, you know, people aren't bringing their best to the team you have to inject so much energy as a mm -hmm. founder into the business. And, and typically what happens at this point is that you tell yourself a story that if we're any bigger, this business is going to crush me. Right? Exactly. So the challenge here is that there's one thing that you don't have in the equation, and it's what we call talent. It is that right person that is going to start sharing that burden and that responsibility with you. Absolutely. So what we find is for, for most companies, and, and this is true for nonprofits as well. We've, we've worked with some nonprofits and we, we highly support several nonprofits and, and do work with them, is that there's a core structure, a very basic structure that works for most companies. And it's that you have the CEO and then you got three distinct key leaders in that organization. And what we call them are the director of services, the director of operations, and the director of growth. And as starting a business, if you can find the right three people in those key positions, you're going to be on your way to scalability. So Absolutely. director of services is somebody that really their job is to oversee the service that you are providing. Whatever that value is that you are injecting into the world, whether it's for-profit or nonprofit, they own that area. Your director of operations owns everything from your HR to your financials to systems and process development, 
to really supporting the CEO and everything that's happening. And then the director of growth is responsible for hitting the accelerator and bringing in, if you're a nonprofit, more funding, uh, finding people to support you. That's their job. What tends to happen, though, is that a founder goes out and they hire somebody that kind of has a loosely defined role. They hire somebody else that has a loosely defined role. They hire somebody else, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. And the next thing, they've got like nine or 10 people that are reporting to them. And no wonder that they're burned out because either they're doing everything or they got everybody else that's constantly coming to them and saying, like, what do I need to do here? What should I do? What should we do? And they're just putting out fires every single day. They're, they're out firefighting. They're not casting vision. They're not moving forward. They're not thinking about, okay, what do we need to do to move this thing forward? And they don't have that sense of collaboration. So the first thing that we really recommend is that, and, and this is the, the killer of companies because, um, you know, in the world that we predominantly work in, in the small business, small and medium sized world, mm -hmm. you know, people think, oh, if I build a million dollar company, life is grand. Mm -hmm. We work with people that have two, three, four, five million dollar companies and they're broke. They work all mm -hmm. the time. They're frustrated. And I mean, we, we have clients that when we start working with them, they're like, you know, we're, we're thinking about just like shutting the doors and walking away yeah. from our business, you know, and, and, and you would think like, how could somebody do that until you understand the pressure that they're under? Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we do is just say, look, you have to start thinking in terms of team. Mm -hmm. You have to start thinking in terms of collaboration. And that starts mm -hmm. with finding the right people for the right position with the right motivation it comes right back to what we talked about a while ago. Mm -hmm. And when you start thinking in terms of that and start thinking about, I'm going to take me out of the equation, right? So, um, right. For you, the charity CFO, your company mm -hmm. can scale when things aren't centralized on Tasha. Absolutely. Right? when you start succeeding through the right people and your job is to empower them, develop them, coach them, then as they're learning and growing and making decisions, they start hiring people, training them, mm -hmm. uh, coaching them. That's the process. So it's about adding depth to your organizational chart, not going as wide as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And that's the switch because for an entrepreneur, we tend to think in terms like, well, I've got high energy. I've got a high horsepower motor. I'll just do more. I'll mm -hmm. just take it on. They're not doing mm -hmm. it. And a lot of times what happens is we end up jumping in and we take, in, we take things off of other people's plates. Yes. We're constantly saving people, right? So what we got to do is we got to stop saving the people in our own world and we got to start empowering them, which means mm -hmm. they're going to make mistakes. They're going to screw things up. They're going mm -hmm. to cost you money. And all of those are learning opportunities if you have the right people. Yeah. If you don't have the right people, that's the start is that you sometimes have to get out of business with people, no matter how passionate they are about what you're doing. Mm. If they're not the right fit for the right position with the right motivation, it's going to catch up to you. And typically it's catch up to you. It catches up to you in forms of I'm working a lot more and we don't have the profit to move things forward. Right. Cause I mean, whether you are a for-profit or a nonprofit, you still, you're bringing in money, you have all of your operational expenses and the money that's left over is what you can make a difference for with. Mm -hmm. In a nonprofit, that's what you're giving. That's what you're investing. That's what you're making the change with. In a for-profit, that's what you're taking profitability with. And a lot of the business owners that we work with, I mean, they take that profit and it's not just for them to buy things for themselves. They're giving those profits to nonprofits. Mm -hmm. You know, so- Whatever the case is, like you have to protect that profitability, whether you are giving it away in a nonprofit 
mm-hmm. or you are taking it as distributions, you have to be able to protect that because without that, you can't make that bigger difference in the world. And that's where a lot of people don't tend to think. They tend to think you're just like, I'll do more, I'll do more, mm-hmm. instead of thinking about talent as the central X factor for growing and scaling a business. 100% agree with everything you said, Dirk. I, I I like to joke with my colleagues also that own accounting firms that my goal is to make myself as irrelevant in this business mm-hmm. on a day-by-day basis is, yeah. is humanly possible because I'm just standing in my own way. And I think leaders of organizations always think, how can I be more productive? How can I be more efficient? Well, if you're just productive and efficient, that just means you're going to end up doing more things um, within the same period of time. But what you should really be asking yourself, not, you know, how am I going to get this all done, but who's going to get this all done? And it just can't be you. And I've really focused over the last few years on clearing headspace, actual physical time, um, and physical, like figurative space, I guess, in my head on how to think more strategically about the business and focusing more on the vision of the business and not necessarily doing all of the things. And I think all of us get in that trap and nonprofits are not unique from that because oftentimes the leaders of nonprofits come up through the programmatic side. They are, you know, the, the professionals in the services that they offer, right? Pick any area. It could be nurses. It could be teachers. It could be mental health professionals. um, Could be any of those. And not only are they then completely overwhelmed with all of the administrative side of the business, but like all of us, they sometimes tend to, Um, focus more on what they are really good at, right? And Mm -hmm. that's the technician, that's the doer side of things and kind of neglecting some of those other responsibilities, which I think makes it even more important to find the right people to help you do that. Um, I love when you said three different, you know, kind of key people going back to, you know, the director of services, the director of growth or, you know, revenue generation is the way I look at it and the director of operations. And you can have, like you said, multiple people underneath that, but that is absolutely what I've learned in my business that having people that can operate in those areas, because what I think it inevitably happens with any entrepreneur or or leader of an organization, they try to do all of those things. And then when you focus so much on service delivery, then you neglect revenue growth right? Mm -hmm. If you focus on revenue growth, then you, then you end up, you know, sacrificing operations or, you know, it's like, you can have one of those things. You can't have all of those things, things at the level. Now, if you can level up and get all of those three areas (laughs) operating, um, you know, as significant as possible, that's like you said, where the scalability is. And then you just stand back and let everybody do their, do their roles. But, I, I was guilty of that. I was doing all the revenue generation. I was overseeing all the service delivery and I was doing all the things operationally. And one of the things that I think is really important is to continue carving out roles. Um, if you are a leader of a small organization and you say, Tasha, that's all great, um, but I don't have the budget for that. Like you said, Dirk, start thinking about what those positions look like, carving out your responsibilities into key functions, and then just start hiring for that or start planning for what is the next thing? Um, because we're continuing to grow, right? And so my business partner, my chief operating officer, he wears a lot of hats. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, let's, what are you spending the most time on? We're going to carve that out now. We're going to create a position. Okay, we've created that position now. Okay, let's look at it again. What are you spending most of your time now on, right? And then we create a position for that. Um, and I did the same thing for myself over the last 12 months. So I think that's all really good advice, Dirk. So I think what everybody's kind of wondering now is, you know, you are a founder yourself. So you're not just speaking. You didn't just read a bunch of books and come up with this idea on your own. You 
created a business, you're a founder and CEO of Bergflow, and this is what you do. You help other business owners or leaders of nonprofits see the light in the ways I'm sure of all the experiences that you have lived through. And I can echo a lot of the same things that you've described. Tell me a little bit more about Bergflow. Why did you start it? Start it? How did you get here? Like, tell me a little bit about your story. Yeah, so I've I've always loved business and I've always wanted to be a, a business person and an entrepreneur since I was a kid. Like that's what I wanted to do. And um, mm-hmm. uh, during my college years, I actually uh, bought a business and they, uh, I actually worked there, started managing it. The owner uh, owner financed me and I bought the business. Um, and then when I was 28, that business failed and put me like in a really, really bad financial position. So around this time, I had just gotten married. Um, we had our, our son about two years after we got married, um, just during this really bad financial position that we we're in. And this was uh, started in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, I was, you know, uh, ended up starting another business, but was working six, seven days a week. 12, 14, Mm -hmm. 16 hours a day. And I mean, a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to that. Mm -hmm. And, but for me, it was was like two, three, four years into it. And I mean, things were just not getting better. Uh, My my marriage was extremely stressed. I was hardly ever seeing uh, Jackson, my my son at the time. And just because I was trying to survive, trying to kind of move things forward. And, you know, it was a really hard place to be in. And and fortunately, Mm -hmm. um, I had some exposure to the right things. One of the biggest things was uh, taking a class around um, how to find, recruit, and hire talent. That was one mm-hmm. of the things I found. And I mean, for me, when I took that class, this was uh, at the end of 2012. It was it was like the super highway opened up in front of me. And for the first time mm-hmm. in my life, I was like, okay, this is the path. And um, I had, uh, as, as with a large real estate company at the time, uh, running a sales team. And my sales team over the next two years exploded in growth. Uh, we expanded into uh, multiple cities, and then I became a CEO of that company. And um, over the next couple of years, uh, I had an incredible leadership coaches and mentors, financial coaches and mentors, team building coaches and mentors. I mean, just different aspects of business and had a lot. I mean, I, I, I think I crammed like 20 years of experience into about five years. <laughs> and um, by 2016, I was running a, a, as a CEO of a, a real estate company that was doing about $800 million a year in sales out of a single location with 500 real estate agents. And, and I was running a big business, uh, but my heart was still with small business. And I kept just thinking mm. about like, man, like all of those people that were back where I was, you know, six, seven years before, and their marriages were completely stressed out and they weren't mm-hmm. seeing their kids and they were you know, they were, they're just trapped by their business. And I mean, for me, it was, it was such a compelling pull that, you know, I resigned from my, my corporate position and started Bergflow in January of 2017. And, you know, we said, look, we want to make a change in the world and we want to empower the, the founders, the, the, the owners, the CEOs, the entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that are out there, you know, in the, in the fight every day of of building their businesses and making a difference. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for us, uh, it's really about working with those people and helping them understand again, how to build the right teams around them, because we believe if they, if they build the right teams, they're going to have a much larger chance for succeeding at higher levels. They're going to have a Mm -hmm. much larger chance to make the impact that they want to make. And then they're impacting the people that work for them. They, those people have families. Those people are leaders. They're, they're neighbors. They're leaders in their communities. So we can make a big change in the world if we start working with small businesses and helping them succeed in those missions. And, you know, that's, that's the way that we started our company. Um, and since then, we've launched um, actually a, a few other companies. So, 
you know, we uh, are like, I'm the founder of, of three other companies as well. And so when you say like, we're, we're in it every day and building businesses, <laughs> like, you know, I know exactly what that's like. I know what it's like to get punched in the face on a, you know, daily basis from multiple yeah. companies, right? Somebody, uh, you know, somebody leaving, you know, uh, having to, had to, having to get out of business with somebody taking a financial mm -hmm. hit, you got a client that's mad at you, you got to, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but the difference is when you, when you have the right people around you, it's not about you being in the fight alone anymore. It's mm -hmm. about you having a team that steps up, that takes responsibility, that helps you move things forward. Mm -hmm. And really for us, um, that's been the biggest game changer for us is, having the right people in our world. And again, it's, it's the right people in the right positions with the right motivation, because when that happens, you know, then you can really move things forward. And, and for us, it's, it is this idea of, um, man, if we, if we have these things, then it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And today, you know, we work with over 300 companies today on an ongoing basis. And, what's happening in these companies too, because we link all the companies that we work together to, we link them into communities so that they don't feel alone because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sure you can relate to this, that at some point when you're building your business, you feel so alone, you feel so isolated. Yeah. And because it's so hard and you're getting beat up, you think that there's something mm -hmm. wrong with you. You think like, man, I'm screwed up because this is so hard. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you let people know that, Hey, everything that you're experiencing right now, there's a lot of other people experiencing the same thing. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. There's just some things that you may not understand and may not know how to do just right. So when you can start understanding that there is a structure, there's form and function to hiring, there's systems for getting the right people, training mm -hmm. them, helping them succeed, then everything becomes easier. And, mm -hmm. and that's exactly, you made this comment earlier that running a big business a lot of times is way easier than running a small business. And mm -hmm. it's because when you have the right things in place and the right people in place, it is easier. And, and I love what mm -hmm. you said a while ago, because you said something that, uh, that has a lot of self-awareness around it. You said, Hey, when I can get out of my own way, mm -hmm. right. When, mm -hmm. and that's the thing is that every owner, founder, CEO, like they are the lid on their business. Yeah. They are the, like, if you're wondering why your business isn't growing or doing what it is, or why you're not attracting the right talent today, it's because of you. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you, but there may be something that you want to look at uh, improving, changing your approach, thinking about differently, structuring differently. And the biggest thing is just getting out of your own way and getting out of other people's yeah. way. Like, you know, cause I know every time that I go in to take care of something, it's a good chance I'm going to screw something up for one of my people. So the best thing I can do <laughs> is just let them figure it out, work on it. And I can maybe coach them through it, but I should not get involved unless it's like absolutely on fire. Yeah. It's a, it's a big ego, you know, hit a little bit in, in some ways mm -hmm. you, you got to work through some feelings when you make the commitment to, remove yourself from key functions, letting go. Um, I mean, it's your thing that you've created. You feel so strongly about it. Um, but then it just got to a place where the business is just too vulnerable. If I yeah. am the hub of everything, if, if Tasha mm -hmm. failed to show up one day, that, that the business got to a point where I had too many employees and too many clients dependent just solely on my well-being, my whatever, that if Tasha failed to show up one day, how long would this business continue in the yeah. absence of me? And that was a moment of vulnerability and not just that, like my own family, right? So can this business extend beyond me um, for, you know, the, the, the financial benefit for, for them, right? Uh, or does mm -hmm. this just all wither away to nothing because Tasha just failed to show up to work, you know, so many days in a row and, and everything just dwindled to nothing. So that, that was a, that was a, 
you know, that, that hit me um, one day and I realized we need to find a succession plan for everything. And by doing so kind of frees me up now. And I'm kind of enjoying doing more of what I love doing and doing less of what I don't love doing. And then when you find putting somebody in every role where they truly are doing the things that they love and you get to do the things that you love, I mean, everything just multiplies. So, so um, tell me, Dirk, if people wanted to find out more about you, your platform, your resources, interested in your work, how would a nonprofit work with you or how could they get in touch with you to hear more about love what everything he's saying? We need a lot of this help. Where would they, where would they in touch with you? Where would they find you? And maybe what are some ways that you could help them? Yeah. So the first place is you can find us just go to our website, which is bergflow.com, B-E-R-G, Berg, F-L-O-W, flow, bergflow.com. And really the, the process for us starts with um, just understanding where this company is that's reaching out to us. So we do mm-hmm. uh, like a free, you know, phone consultation with somebody just to kind of get a sense of where they are. We have them fill out a questionnaire so that we can understand, is this a company that we can help or not? Because uh, mm-hmm. typically when, when companies come to us, there's, there's two reasons they come to us. Number one is either they're growing so fast that the wheels are just completely falling off the bus and they're holding it together with duct tape. And they're mm-hmm. like, we have got to get systems processes and people in place. And that's what we specialize in, you know, or um, another reason is that we have companies that are multi-million dollar companies that have gone stagnant. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, we don't know what's, what exactly is going on, but I mean, we're just out of momentum. And so we typically come in and help them restructure, get the right people in the right positions. Mm-hmm. And then we, we see, you know, a, kind of like a reinsurgence of energy growth, you know, moving forward profitability. So the, I think if, if you are listening and you are at that place where, you know, you, you're, you know, that you got to get structure with the people in your team, like there's just too many people they're, 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 nobody has a defined role. Nobody really kind of has a, a place to take more ownership and responsibility and you got to get that in place to grow. Then that those are the companies and or nonprofits that, you know, we work with. It's, mm-hmm. it's when people have to focus on, you know, companies have to focus on their people, get the right structure, work on collaboration and really get everybody to start working together. Cause like you said, the, the silo thing is very real in business. And what we do is we really open up communication and collaboration between uh, people in the organization. And that creates a lot of good energy to move things forward. So if companies are interested, they can go to bergflow.com and you can just click to uh, schedule a free consultation with us. Awesome. Well, Dirk, thank you so much for all of your words of wisdom and resources that you might have on your website and and the offer to connect with, with our nonprofit audience um, directly. So yeah, you said bergflow.com is the best place to reach out. We'll put that in the show notes as well. So Dirk, thanks again for joining us. And until next time, everybody, thanks so much.